Happy Nurses Week to all the nurses and future nurses listening. To celebrate, I'm having a 20% off sale on Study Sesh. This is my private podcast that features over 140 episodes to help you study on the go. Formats include pod quizzes, power hour deep dives, drills, and case studies. If you're tired of sitting at your desk or staring at a screen, but still want to review for nursing school, it's time to check out Study Sesh. Go to straightanursingstudent.com and click on Courses in that top menu bar. That's straightanursingstudent.com and click on Courses in the menu bar. See you there. Well, hello again, and this is Nurse Mo, and I'm so glad you're here with me for the Straighty Nursing Podcast, episode 192. Today, we are talking about angioedema. Now, before we dive into that topic, I do like to take a moment to give a shout out to my San fam, and this one goes out to... Rachel and Rachel says, Crucial Concepts Bootcamp was by far the best investment in preparing me for being ready mentally and emotionally for nursing school. I got organized, loved the downloads, and felt super confident in my dosage calculations. I still use Nurse Mo's dosage calculations concepts each time I'm answering questions about what dose to give. Rachel, thank you so much for taking the time to send that in. I very, very much appreciate it. And I love that you're using that foundation concept from dosage calculations that I taught you to make sure that you get to the right answer every time because one of the biggest mistakes that students make with dosage calculations is approaching them as math problems. And you probably realized pretty quickly, they're not math problems, they're puzzles, and you have to think about them differently. And that's what my boot camp teaches you. So thank you so much, Rachel, for sharing that. I'm so glad you felt confident. And I wish you nothing but the absolute best on your journey to become a nurse. So if you are interested, anyone listening in what Rachel is talking about, I'm going to put the link to boot camp in the episode notes so that you can feel confident in dosage calculations, confident, getting organized, getting ready, getting prepared in all manner of ways for nursing school. So today we are talking about angioedema. And honestly, this is another one to add to your scary things that can happen to your patients list. And that is not to scare you, but to help you feel prepared if it ever does happen. With a little bit of knowledge ahead of time, you'll hopefully recognize angioedema when it happens, and hopefully you recognize it very early on, and know what to do to help your patient. So angioedema is a sudden non-pitting edema of the skin and mucous membranes. And you will typically see angioedema in the upper respiratory and GI tracts, though its detrimental effects on the airway are definitely what make it potentially so life-threatening. So in angioedema, Histamines or bradykinins are released as part of an allergic or anaphylactic response, and this causes an abrupt increase in capillary permeability. 
And this can be reactions to food, drugs, or other substances. Common drugs that can cause angioedema are ACE inhibitors like lisinopril, NSAIDs like ibuprofen, naproxen, and aspirin, and antibiotics. So in addition to allergy-induced angioedema, patients can also have hereditary angioedema and chronic idiopathic angioedema. In the clinical setting, you're most likely going to see the allergy-induced angioedema. So let's go through angioedema using the straight-A nursing latte method. So the first letter in latte is for look. How does the patient look? What do you notice about them? What are their signs and symptoms? So the most prevalent indicator of angioedema is the presence of edema, particularly in the face, hands, feet, and genitalia. Swelling of the lips and eyes is considered that classic sign. It can also include the tongue and the neck as well. Some patients will have an accompanying urticaria. Numbness or tingling may be present at sites where swelling is intense. They could be anxious or nervous. I don't know about you, but if my neck and face and lips and mouth were swelling, I'd be pretty nervous too. They may be diaphoretic. And if the patient is struggling to breathe, which hopefully it does not get to that point before intervention, but they could be pale. They may have duskiness around the lips. And due to swelling around the eyes, the patient may state that they have difficulty seeing well. So how do we assess the patient? A in LATTE stands for assess. So your priority assessment with angioedema is airway, airway, airway. Anytime your patient has swelling of the head, neck, face, mouth, lips, tongue, any of that, you need to be watching airway like a hawk. You also want to monitor the severity of the edema, especially as it relates to those parts associated with the airway, you want to notice if it's getting better or if it's getting worse. Assess CSM, circulation, sensation, and movement of the hands and feet for any neurovascular abnormalities such as delayed capillary refill or numbness and tingling. You'll monitor the patient's heart rate, their blood pressure, and respiratory rate to ensure they are remaining stable. And you also want to assess the swelling around the eyes. You want to assess their ability to see well because if they can't see well, that's a pretty big safety issue. So the next letter is T and that stands for tests. What tests are typically conducted for a patient with angioedema? So the tests that are ordered are going to be dependent upon whether the angioedema has been triggered by a known substance or idiopathic in nature. So C1 INH levels could be drawn to determine whether or not a deficiency is present. And a deficiency in C1 INH would indicate that the patient has hereditary or acquired angioedema. A CBC will monitor the blood count for presence of infection. 
C-reactive protein and ESR, erythrocyte sedimentation rate, are both indicators of inflammation. And these can be elevated in ACE inhibitor-induced angioedema, like if the patient took lisinopril. A urinalysis can check for a UTI, which may occur when the mucosal lining of the urinary tract is affected. And then a serum tryptase level could be obtained, and elevations in this indicate that the angioedema is a mast cell-mediated event, which is typical in angioedema with anaphylaxis. Allergy testing may be conducted if the angioedema is due to a suspected allergen. And then they may get some imaging studies of the bowel. If that GI tract is involved, they may get a CT scan, they may get an ultrasound. A multi-detector CT scan can also be conducted to determine if GI tract edema is a result of ACE inhibitor-induced angioedema. And what this does is it prevents unnecessary surgery because this GI tract edema should resolve and the patient doesn't actually need surgery. If they can determine that the edema was due to the ACE inhibitor, we're going to stop the ACE inhibitor and that swelling should come down. Thyroid studies may be performed, especially in women or those with family history of thyroid disease or autoimmune disorders. Studies show that autoimmune thyroid disease is strongly associated with angioedema. So the second T in latte is for treatments. What treatments are going to be provided for your patient with angioedema? So how it's treated is going to depend on the severity, the acuity, and the mechanism of the angioedema. So if the airway is involved, the patient may require intubation for airway protection. Angioedema secondary to ACE inhibitors typically involves stopping the medication and protecting the airway until symptoms resolve. Angioedema secondary to anaphylaxis will likely be treated with IM epinephrine, oxygen administration, and IV fluids. Allergy-induced, in other words, mast cell-mediated angioedema that is not anaphylaxis is typically treated with antihistamines and corticosteroids. And if the angioedema is hereditary, treatments can include C1 inhibitor concentrate, and medications that inhibit calicrane or antagonize bradykinin, or they may even get FFP, fresh frozen plasma, though it is important to note that in some cases, FFP can make the angioedema worsen acutely and is utilized with very extreme caution. Recurrent angioedema may be treated with non-sedating antihistamines, and some patients may also require a leukotriene receptor antagonist. Now, severe cases that are resistant to treatment may require a bradykinin B2 receptor antagonist or monoclonal antibody therapy. For the most part, though, what you'll be seeing and dealing with is that allergy-induced angioedema or the patient taking an ACE inhibitor a lot of times the patient's going to be getting that epinephrine, that oxygen, the IV fluids, um, antihistamines, corticosteroids. Those are kind of the common things that you'll see given. 
Now, E stands for educate. How do you educate the patient and the family? So once the trigger has been identified, patients should be taught to avoid it as much as possible to prevent another episode. Patients with anaphylaxis-related angioedema should always carry an EpiPen. And you want to teach the patient the signs of angioedema and to call for emergency help if they have any difficulty breathing or swallowing, any nausea and vomiting, abdominal cramps, swelling of the neck, lips, tongue, or a tight feeling in their throat. If a diagnosis of hereditary angioedema is made, they need to continue to follow up and check their C1-INH levels regularly to prevent another episode. So let's do a quick summary of the must-know information for angioedema, and then we'll do a little bit of pod quizzing. So angioedema involves acute swelling of the tissue under the skin and is most concerning when it includes the face, mouth, tongue, and neck, anything about the airway. The priority assessment is airway patency. The priority intervention is airway patency and intubation may be necessary. Common pharmacologic treatments include epinephrine, corticosteroids, and antihistamines. Angioedema can be hereditary, idiopathic, due to an allergy, or drug-mediated. Common drugs that cause angioedema include ACE inhibitors, antibiotics, and NSAIDs. So now let's do a little bit of pod quiz questions. And if you're new to these, I think you're going to love them. Most people really love them. I'm going to ask a question, pause for a little bit to give you time to answer, and then I'll tell you the answer. So go ahead and say the answer out loud. It's okay if people look at you funny, you're learning. So if you like pod quizzing, I have a whole podcast dedicated to pod quizzes, and it's called Study Sesh. And I'm going to put the link in the episode notes to that so you can get your hands on it. So let's begin. This first question is a fill in the blank. So in angioedema, blank or blank are released as part of an allergic or anaphylactic response. In angioedema, blank or blank are released as part of an allergic or anaphylactic response. Histamines or bradykinins. Very, very good. And this causes an abrupt increase in capillary what? Capillary permeability. Very good. Some common drugs that cause angioedema are three, I gave you three like general types. What are they? So the first one is ACE inhibitors. Probably what you'll see the most, at least from my clinical experience, that's what I've seen the most. And a common ACE inhibitor is lisinopril. Remember, ACE inhibitors end in pril. Another, another class of drugs are NSAIDs, and those are ibuprofen, naproxen, aspirin. And then that third one was antibiotics. Very good. 
So when we're looking at the symptoms, signs and symptoms of angioedema, tell me what some of the classic signs are. So the very classic signs are swelling of the lips and eyes can also be the any part of the face, the neck, the tongue, feet, hands, and genitalia. Some patients will have urticaria with that. What can happen to sites with extreme swelling? And I'll give you a hint. This would be a neurovascular symptom. Numbness and tingling, very good. And then if the patient is struggling to breathe, what might you notice about their lips? The lip color could be a bit dusky, very good. Hopefully the patient doesn't get to that point. What is your number one priority assessment for a patient with angioedema? Hopefully you said airway, airway, and airway. Very good. And what is your priority intervention with angioedema? Hopefully you said maintain airway patency. And what may need to be done for the patient to maintain airway patency? They may need to be intubated. Very, very good. A deficiency in this indicates that hereditary or acquired angioedema is present. C1INH. What kind of lab test would be elevated in ACE inhibitor-induced angioedema? The inflammatory markers, namely that C-reactive protein. What are we going to do for a patient with anaphylaxis-related angioedema? Generally, that's IM epinephrine, oxygen, and IV fluids. There may be some corticosteroids involved as well, and maybe antihistamines. The antihistamines and corticosteroids are definitely going to be coming into play with the allergy-induced angioedema that is not an anaphylactic reaction, so it's a milder reaction. Why are we going to use fresh frozen plasma with caution in these patients because it could cause the angioedema to worsen acutely. What type of antihistamines could be used with recurrent angioedema? Non-sedating antihistamines. What should your patient who has anaphylaxis-related angioedema always carry with them? 
they should always carry their EpiPen. Very, very good. Okay, so that was a little bit of a pod quiz, you guys. And if you like that and you like how it makes you think and recall information, then you want to check out Study Sesh. It is a podcast completely dedicated to pod quizzing. We also do some drills. We also do case studies. And we have some power hour sessions where I go deep into a foundation concept. So I'm going to put the link to study sesh in the episode notes so that you can check it out. And then if you are listening to this episode as it comes out, we are getting to the end of 2021. Holy cow, we made it everybody. So I want to wish you a very happy new year and let you know that boot camp is still on sale and it will be until January 10th. You can get boot camp at any time, but I do like to run sales a few times a year. So you're in one of those sale periods right now. So in the episode notes, I will put a link to boot camp. If you're a new student or a student who really struggled in first semester and you need those foundation concepts, you need that total reset, you need to learn all these foundation skills and how to be organized and how to study and and take tests and all kinds of things, then you need to check out Bootcamp. I'm going to put the link to that in the episode notes as well. It's 20% off right now with some really cool free bonuses. So I will be seeing you all in the new year. And our first topic on the podcast of 2022 is going to be about maximizing your learning style for nursing school. But here's a little bit of a spoiler alert. You will be using probably all learning styles in nursing school. So we're going to talk about how to play into each one for maximum nursing school success. So I will see you back here in a few days. Bye for now. This podcast is brought to you by Straight A Nursing.